0: TED Audio Collective. This is the TED Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. On today's show, we'll go into an operating room. Rather than a live talk, this is a lesson from TED-Ed, TED's education platform. We'll walk through every intricate beat of a heart transplant. It's astonishing how this procedure has extended the lives of so many patients, And after, I'll dive into the process of organ donation. I'll tell you what happens after you opt in as a donor, which in the U.S. could mean getting that little sticker on your driver's license. It's just one of the number of ways to become a registered organ donor. So stick around. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle, healthy eating, wearable tech, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com thematic investing.
1: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work.
0: Impending deadline?
1: Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. click, 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 click.
2: Writer's block?
1: Release with Canva Magic Right. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
2: Canva. Support for this podcast comes from The Wonderful Company. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, you probably know the pistachios that come from this company. Wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Get snackin' and get crackin' with a snack that packs a protein punch. I love the various wonderful pistachio flavors, so in addition to the original flavor, I'm particularly fond of the salt and vinegar, and I keep little packets of them in my car so that I can eat and get some protein on the run. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more.
1: Your heart beats more than 100,000 times a day. In just a minute, it pumps over five liters of blood throughout your body. But unlike skin and bones, the heart has a limited ability to repair itself. So if this organ is severely damaged, there's often only one medical solution, replacing it. Today, nearly 3,500 heart transplants are performed each year in a complex, and intricate procedure with no room for error. The process begins by testing potential recipients to ensure they're healthy enough for this demanding operation. Doctors are especially concerned with identifying immunocompromising illnesses or any other conditions that could compromise a patient's chance of survival. The next step is to match an eligible recipient with a heart donor. Donors are often comatose patients with no chance of being resuscitated, or victims of a fatal event whose hearts are still healthy. In both cases, these patients need to be registered as an organ donor or have their families give consent. And even when a heart is available, surgeons can't just pair any donor with any recipient. The recipient's immune system will view a transplanted heart as a foreign organism, that must be attacked. So doctors need to match recipients with donors that share their blood type and have similar antigens. If a match can be made, the surgery can begin. Once the donor's heart is confirmed to be healthy, the organ is immersed in an ice slush and injected with a solution to induce cardiac arrest. These treatments stop the heart from pumping to ensure it can be removed cleanly. Surgeons then place the organ in a mix of cold saline and preservation solution. This is when the clock starts. Disconnected from its blood supply, the heart's cells start taking on damage from lack of oxygen. The organ will only remain viable outside the body for a few hours, so it needs to reach its recipient as fast as possible. Once the heart arrives, the recipient is put under general anesthesia, the surgeon makes an incision down the length of the chest, cutting through the breastbone to separate the rib cage and expose the heart. To keep blood flowing while they remove the damaged organ, surgeons use a cardiopulmonary bypass machine. This takes over the heart's job, generating enough force to push blood through the patient's circulatory system. After the old heart is removed, the surgeon begins sewing the donor heart into place. This is an incredibly precise process, where each blood vessel and artery must be carefully attached to avoid leaks. The procedure can last several hours, potentially longer if there's scar tissue from previous surgeries. Once it's finished, the bypass machine is turned off and blood is allowed to flow into the aorta. Doctors carefully monitor the new heart to ensure it's beating on its own before sewing the recipient back up. Even after the procedure is complete, there's still work to be done. Surgeons are unable to directly connect the heart to the recipient's nervous system, and it can take years for the body to fully innervate the new organ. During this period, the transplanted organ has a higher resting heart rate and risk of stroke, making exercise difficult and dangerous. And since it's incredibly rare to find a perfect match between donor and recipient, the immune system will also have some response to the new heart. Immunosuppressive drugs can help manage the risk of rejection, but they also leave patients open to contracting dangerous infections. It requires constant monitoring and testing to balance these two concerns. Despite these challenges, about 70% of heart transplant recipients survive for at least five years after the operation, and just over 20% live another 20 years. So when this procedure is successful, it's truly life-saving. Unfortunately, people in developing countries are often unable to access this surgery, and many viable hearts can't be donated due to legal and regulatory issues. Thousands of people remain on waiting lists, and many are never able to find a suitable donor.
0: This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on fitness trends. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in active lifestyle, healthy eating, wearable tech and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas that you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customized to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing.
2: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card.
0: The TED-Ed episode did a great job of walking us through an organ transplant, but how do you become an organ donor? In the U.S., there's multiple ways to become a donor, but perhaps the most common is at the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. When your number is finally called to get your driver's license at the DMV, you get to decide whether or not to become an organ donor. Do you tick yes or no? If you mark yes, what does that actually mean? Well, simply put, it means that if you're unlucky enough to be in a catastrophic accident, you're opting in to donate your organs to people who need them. But it's not quite so straightforward. Let's investigate this process together. After opting in at the DMV, you're entered into your state's donor registry. That's a database first responders use to find organs to save a life. That's the goal, but not always the result. So many details need to align for an organ to be considered a match. First, blood types need to be compatible. In any transplant, the body may view the new organ as an invader. So having compatible blood antigens between the donor and the recipient helps the body accept the new organ. Next, things like height, weight, and other medical factors are considered to help ensure the organ fits. Then there's the issue of urgency. Which patient needs this organ the most? And finally, the physical distance between the donor and the transplant recipient is also important. Once in transport, organs are only viable for a short time. So it's a race against the clock. There are so many factors that doctors and first responders have to keep track of for both parties, and all while the clock is ticking. So how do they do it? Well, in the U.S., the United Network for Organ Sharing, also known as UNOS, operates a national database of available organs. UNOS maintains and manages this database 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. While the transplant network and database in the U.S. has achieved more transplants than any other country in the world, it's not a perfect system. Currently, over 100,000 people are waiting for life-saving organs, and 17 people die every day while they wait. Despite all the incredible advances in transplant technology we heard about in the TED-Ed talk, up to 28,000 organs are also wasted each year because it takes too long to find out if a patient has accepted or declined an organ. Why all the failures? Well, there's some serious glitches in the system. One is that patients from marginalized communities are less likely to get a transplant because of economic and social conditions like race, geography, and education that affect health. Late diagnosis and lack of referrals also keep groups that are already disenfranchised from accessing transplants. Another glitch is that UNOS technology for matching organs is greatly outdated It's too slow, and it relies heavily on manual data entry, which makes pairing organs with patients inefficient. That was the finding of a Senate hearing in August 2022, which also revealed that the system lacked sufficient oversight and accountability. And yet another problem is that the incentives in the transplant system don't exactly match the goals. While the goal may be to get people off the wait list and reduce the number of wasted organs... A report by a number of former officers of U.S. Health and Human Services found that UNOS is incentivized to add more people to the wait list. That's because the vast majority of the organization's contract revenue comes from the fees that patients pay to be placed on that waiting list. So what can be done to address this? Some suggest we should expand the organ pool by offering a monetary incentive, similar to blood plasma donations, or a tax incentive to encourage more donors. But payment for living kidney donations is illegal in most countries to protect the vulnerable from being taken advantage of. Still, many argue that the benefits of having more organs outweigh the costs. In order to decrease waste and increase access to organs, we need greater transparency on how and who is matching the organs to patients. We also need faster information on whether someone accepts or declines organs so they don't go to waste. And we need to call for more ethical principles in allocating human organs. Everyone who medically qualifies for a transplant should have equal access to the waitlist. The government could provide a set of laws requiring organ procurement and transplantation to focus entirely on benefiting critically ill patients, not just adding more people onto a waitlist. If you have opted in to being an organ donor, you're helping. Now we need the rest of the system to support you. Thanks so much for listening today. This episode was produced by Joanne DeLuna and fact-checked by Ted. And special thanks to Anna Phelan, Grace Rubenstein, Maria Lagis, Michelle Quint, and Colin Helms. I'm Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter. Stay well, and I'll talk to you next week. Visit Slack.com to get started. Support for this show comes from Brooks. I've really gotten into running this year, so I have to tell you about the Ghost 16 from Brooks, because this shoe is kind of a game changer. I found the cushioning to be next level comfortable. It's incredibly soft, yet surprisingly lightweight. It's literally comfortable every time my foot hits the pavement. The Ghost 16 from Brooks isn't just a shoe for me. It's a daily boost for my runs. Visit brooksrunning.com to learn more.